This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode, which happens to be episode 237, titled, Does Jeremiah Call the Messiah Yahweh? Yes, it's a very interesting topic. It seems that some have concluded that a passage within the prophet Jeremiah, one of the major prophetic figures within the Old Testament, promises that the coming Davidic king will be called Yahweh. What in the world are we to make of a passage like this? Now, before we get to the episode, I mentioned last week that I have a special announcement for those persons who are interested in the study of the Gospel of John. And I want to make that announcement right here before we start. I have a special offer for supporters of the podcast. I am currently teaching a master's level course on the Gospel of John. And I would like to share these lectures that have been recorded with those who have supported the podcast at any point over the last 12 months. This course on the Gospel of John is at the master's level. It's at the graduate school level. And it's going to have over 30 hours of content. So if you are a supporter of the podcast and you would like to have access to these lectures, get in touch with me and send me a message with your email so that I can send you the links. Don't assume that I have that content information. Please get in contact with me and make sure that you pass along your email. Now, if you haven't supported the podcast yet, but you would like to have access to these 30-plus hours of lectures on the Gospel of John, then I am willing to send these to any new supporters for a limited time. So this is a great opportunity to dig deeper into the Gospel of John without having to enroll in graduate school. If you've got any questions, just reach out to me for more details. So on to the meat of our show for this week. In this week's episode, we will explore a passage within the prophet Jeremiah that some have argued identifies the future messianic king, the son of David, as Yahweh himself. Does this indicate that Jewish messianism expected the Christ to be one and the same as the God of Israel? So here's some questions I would like to explore in this week's episode. First, what is the precise designation given to the promised Davidic king, and how should we interpret it? Second, how does the prophet Jeremiah portray this coming king in human characteristics while also bearing the prerogatives of Israel's God? Thirdly, how else does Jeremiah use this exalted title that God gives to the promised Messiah within his book? And lastly, what is a throne name and how are they used in the context 
of Jeremiah's prophetic ministry? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is the promised Davidic king within the prophet Jeremiah. We're reading our passage today, starting in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. This passage says, Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called Yahweh our righteousness. That's Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6. So here's the interesting passage. Yahweh says that he's going to raise up this Davidic king. It's a king for David. It's one of David's descendants from his family tree. It's a shoot from David's family tree. It's called a righteous branch. And this king is going to reign. He's going to act wisely. He's going to do justice and righteousness in the land. Of course, it's in the land because the kingdom of God is going to be on a renewed earth. And in this time, Israel and Judah are going to be rescued. And then we have the interesting part at the end of verse 6 in chapter 23. This son of David, this messianic king, will be called Yahweh our righteousness. So here, Yahweh himself, speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, says that the Messiah will be called Yahweh. And so what we have here is what scholars called a theophoric name. This person is called Yahweh our righteousness, indicating that for the people, this particular king is going to embody the righteousness, the covenant faithfulness in which Israel and Judah are going to be saved and rescued, and they're going to have peace, and they're going to have a righteous king that is performing justice and righteousness within their land. Now, when we think about the promise made to David, that David is going to have a dynasty of kings. We can see this in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 16. It's the descendants of David that are going to come forth from David's body. These are going to be lineal descendants that descend, obviously, from David, who's a human being, so all of his descendants naturally are going to be human beings. And so there's this promise here of a branch that is coming forth from David's family tree, indicating a human figure that descends from David. He's going to be a part of this Davidic lineage that has the rights to rule as the Son of God, as the King of Israel. And so by every fact that we know, this promised king is going to be a member of the human race. He's going to be a bona fide human being 100%. Not a partial human being, partial God, or an angel that became a human being, or some sort of heavenly being that became a human being. This is a descendant of David. David the human being having descendants that are also 
members of the human race. So the expectation is that this king is going to be a man. He's going to be a human being. And yet he seems to be called here Yahweh. More specifically, Yahweh our righteousness. Now, I do want to look at some of the things that are being mentioned here about this particular king. We can see the king, of course, is going to reign. He's going to act wisely. He's going to bring about salvation and security for Israel and Judah. But there's an interesting set of characteristics here that repeatedly show up within the book of Deuteronomy. And that's mentioned in verse 5 when it says that this righteous branch of David is going to do justice and righteousness. Justice and righteousness. These pair of Hebrew words, mishvat and tzedakah. Justice and righteousness. Now what's interesting is that when you do a study of these two words, it's interesting to see how they show up within Jeremiah. So I want you to kind of see how it's already been used within the narrative. In Jeremiah chapter 9, starting in verse 24, it says, But let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. This is God speaking. That I am Yahweh, who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. There it is. On earth. For I delight in these things, declares Yahweh. So Yahweh admits here that he is the one who is exercising justice and righteousness. That much is pretty clear. We could see this again as a pair of qualities, but in the next passage we're going to note that these are qualities that God expects of the king that he installs. So in Jeremiah 22, starting in verse 1, it says, Thus says Yahweh, Go down to the house of the king of Judah, and there speak this word and say, Hear the word of Yahweh, O king of Judah, who sits on David's throne, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness. Jeremiah 22, verses 1 through 3. So here, Yahweh is saying that the king of Judah, who is currently sitting on David's throne, he is responsible for enacting and performing justice and righteousness. And yet these are qualities that God himself says that he does. But God is saying that as the king, the son of God, the Davidic king who is ruling over Israel, is an extension of God's rule and reign, and thereby God can invest his privileges and his prerogatives into this human king. God is the one who enacts justice and righteousness, and he expects, when he authorizes this Davidic king with the authority to rule over Israel, then that king also is supposed to do justice and righteousness. Now, the passage in Jeremiah 22 is regarding the current Davidic king, not the promised messianic king. So here we can see that just because the Davidic king is stated to be doing justice and righteousness in the land, this is not to identify that king as Yahweh, but rather it's to demonstrate that Yahweh has invested his prerogatives and his privileges with another person, namely with a very qualified 
human regent, the king of Israel. We can see a little bit more of this later in chapter 22. Let's start in verse 11. For thus says Yahweh in regard to Shalom, the king of Judah, the son of Josiah, who became king in the place of Josiah, his father, who went forth from this place. He will never return there. But in the place where they led him captive, there he will die and not see this land again. Woe to him who builds his house without righteousness and his upper rooms without justice, who uses his neighbor's services without pay and does not give him his wages, who says, I will build myself a roomy house with spacious upper rooms and cut out its windows, paneling it with cedar and painting it bright red. Do you become a king because you are competing in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. That's Jeremiah 22, verses 11 through 15. So here God is warning the current king of Judah, which is the son of David, also the son of Josiah, that he is not building his house with righteousness and his upper rooms with justice. In fact, it says that he is building without righteousness and without justice. And God compares him with the former king, his father, who did do justice and righteousness. So we see these, these two qualities continuing to come together. They formerly belonged to God. They are God's prerogatives, but God shares them with the Davidic king, and God expects the Davidic king to enact justice and righteousness in the land. Here we have a denunciation of the king for not performing righteousness and justice. But these, of course, are prerogatives that God expects the king to enact because the king is supposed to be representing the rule of God. So let's put a pin in the particular title that's given to the promised Davidic king in Jeremiah 23, our original passage, because we need to see how that particular phrase is used elsewhere within Jeremiah. And so this moves us to our second point, which is that God shares his name with the city of Jerusalem. Now, when you compare this passage that I'm about to read with the first passage we read, in 23 verses 5 through 6, you're going to note some very interesting similarities. They sound almost exactly alike, but they have some key differences that are vitally important. So here in chapter 33, I'm starting in verse 14. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will fulfill the good word which I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and in that time, I will cause a righteous branch of David to spring forth. He will execute justice and righteousness on the earth. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell in safety. And this is the name by which she will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. That's Jeremiah 33 verses 14 through 16. Now there are a couple of interesting differences there. We still have the promise that in the future, God's going to raise up this righteous branch of David, this descendant 
from David's family tree. So it's going to be a son of David. It's going to be the heir of the Davidic royal dynasty. This king is going to execute justice and righteousness. Those two words that we've studied. It's going to be located on the earth. The reign is going to be on the earth. Again, we see the dual promise that Judah is going to be saved and Jerusalem is going to dwell in safety. But then we see that the name by which she will be called, as opposed to the name by which he will be called. If it says the name by which he will be called, that would be in reference to the Davidic king. But in this passage, the she is in reference to Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, as a city, is going to be called Yahweh our righteousness. The very same Hebrew phrase that we saw earlier in our target passage, in chapter 23, verse 6, that the Davidic king is going to be called. And this tells us something that's very interesting. This indicates that if Yahweh can call Jerusalem by this designation, Yahweh our righteousness, then it's not meant to say that this city is Yahweh himself. It's not to identify the city as Yahweh. No, instead, it's to indicate that the city is embodying this righteous covenant faithfulness, hope and promise that belongs to Yahweh. Yahweh our righteousness. It's a title that's given to this particular city. But that very same title was also given to the Messiah. So if people are going to argue that Yahweh is identifying himself with the Messianic king in 23 verse 6, and they also have to use the same logic and to say that Yahweh is identifying himself with a particular city. And that would be absolutely nonsensical. It doesn't work. Yahweh is not a city. Yahweh is not Jerusalem. These are designations that Yahweh is given to indicate a particular redemptive purpose. But it's clear here, Yahweh is, in some sense, sharing his name with the city to indicate God's righteousness, God's covenant faithfulness. And that same title was also given to the Messiah. We can't just explain that away. We have to acknowledge that the Davidic king is called Yahweh our righteousness. Now what we do with that, once we accept the fact that it is there, is the next purpose of our study. And since this Davidic king is given this particular name, we need to look at our third and final point, which is new throne names given to human kings. What is a throne name? You might ask, a throne name is a title or designation that a particular ruler gives to a king that is installed, and in effect, it changes that installed king's original name into a brand new name, and the new name, of course, gives new meaning and value and purpose to that installed king. And so this sort of stuff was already taking place within Jeremiah's lifetime and within his prophetic ministry. So I'll give you a couple of examples of this. In 2 Kings 23, verse 34, 
it says that Pharaoh Necho made Eliakim, the son of Josiah, king, in the place of Josiah, his father. And Necho, here it is, changed his name to Jehoiakim. That's 2 Kings 23, verse 34. So here, Pharaoh Necho is able to capture this particular king, Eliakim, and make him what's called a vassal king. And Necho is able to change the name of Eliakim to Jehoiakim. Gives him a brand new name, a new throne name. We can see a little bit more of this in 2 Kings 24, verse 17, to where now we have the king of Babylon. Now we have Nebuchadnezzar, who made his uncle Mataniah king in his place and changed his name to Zedekiah. That's a reference to Zedekiah as the uncle of the previous referent. But Zedekiah's original name is Mataniah. And here, the king of Babylon is able to give a brand new throne name to Mataniah. And that name, of course, is Zedekiah, which is actually the most common name that people know him by. They know him actually as Zedekiah, because that's the most common way that he is referred to within the Hebrew Bible. Most people forget the fact that his given name was Mataniah. So here we have, within the lifetime of Jeremiah, two kings that had original names, Eliakim and Mataniah, and they are given new throne names by another king. Eliakim is called Jehoiakim, and Mataniah is called Zedekiah. So remember Zedekiah, because he's going to come back as relevant a little bit later. We can also see within the prophet Jeremiah this particular prophetic tendency to give new names to various persons or places that reflect whether that place is good or bad. So I'll give you an example here. In Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 30, it says, For the sons of Judah have done that which is evil in my sight, declares Yahweh. They have set detestable things in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. They have built the high places of Topeth, which is in the valley of the sons of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command, and it did not come into my mind. Therefore, behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when it will no longer be called Topheth, or the valley of the sons of Hinnom, but the valley of the slaughter that they will bury in Topeth because there is no other place. Jeremiah 7, verses 30 through 32. So here God, of course, is opposed to the activities that are taking place in Topeth, particularly the building of these high places. And God says, we're going to change the name of this. Okay? If they are killing sons and daughters there, and at the judgment there's going to be so many bodies, then we're just going to change the name to the Valley of Slaughter. So there we have God giving a brand new name or designation 
to this particular place. But it doesn't just refer to places. It also refers to persons, as we can see in Jeremiah chapter 20, starting in verse 1. When Pashur, the priest, the son of Emer, who was the chief officer in the house of Yahweh, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, Pashur had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put him in the stocks that were at the upper Benjamin gate, which was by the house of Yahweh. On the next day, when Pasher released Jeremiah from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, Pasher is not the name that Yahweh has called for you, but rather Magor Mishaviv. Magor Mishaviv, by the way, is a Hebrew phrase that means terror on every side. And then Jeremiah goes on in verse 4, and he says, For thus says Yahweh, behold, I'm going to make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. And while your eyes look on, they will fall by the sword of their enemies. So I will give over all Judah to the hand of the king of Babylon, and he will carry them away as exiles to Babylon and will slay them with the sword. That's Jeremiah 20, verses 1 through 4. And so we can see here that even human persons that are not doing what they're supposed to, they can be given a brand new name to reflect their behavior. Here we have the chief officer in the temple called Pasher. He's also a priest. When he wrongly beats and imprisons God's anointed prophet, Jeremiah, Yahweh gives him a brand new name. He says, your name is going to be the equivalency of terror on every side. Magor Misaviv. So we've seen in Jeremiah that God is capable of giving brand new names to cities. God can give brand new names to locations. And God can give brand new names to human individuals. And so it makes sense that God can give a brand new name to the promised Davidic king, the promised Messiah. So let's return to this particular phrase. Let's kind of come back full circle and look at this. Let's let's look very specifically at the name by which the Davidic king is going to be called. So in Jeremiah 23, verse 6, it says, This is the name by which he is going to be called Yahweh our righteousness. And in Hebrew, this is Yahweh Sedekenu. It's literally the name of Yahweh and then the name of righteousness with the pronominal suffix first person plural, our righteousness, Yahweh, our righteousness. Now, what's interesting is that this designation sounds remarkably similar to one of the Davidic kings that we've already mentioned. And that king is Zedekiah. So Zedekiah's name in Hebrew is Zedekiahu. And so Zedekiahu sounds like the opposite of Yahweh Tzedekinu. It's as if the reference to Yahweh, or at least in the reference to Zedekiah, it's a shortened form of Yahu, that has been reversed in the designation that's given to the promised Davidic king in Jeremiah 23, verse 6. It begins with Yahweh, and then it has the phrase righteousness. But in the given name of Zedekiah, 
it has the word righteousness and then it has the name Yahweh after that. And so during the reign of Zedekiah, as you're probably well aware, Jerusalem unfortunately fell into the hands of the Babylonians and the Davidic kingship was temporarily paused. The temple was destroyed. Many people were exiled into the land of Babylon and they no longer had control of their land. They lost their kingship and of course the temple functions ceased. So without a kingship, without the land, and without the temple, it's very difficult for this ancient form of Judaism to function. So that is the fate under the reign of Zedekiah. What better way to reverse the fortunes of Zedekiah, the son of David who fell short, than for God to raise up a new Davidic king and to give that Davidic king a name that is in itself a reversal of the name Zedekiah. Remember, Zedekiah has the phrase righteousness and Yahweh, but this new title that's given to the promised Davidic king is the opposite. It reverses it. It puts Yahweh first. Yahweh are righteousness. So many scholars have noticed that this designation that's given to the promised Davidic king seems to be a play and a reversal on the name Zedekiah, the king whose reign brought about the destruction of the Jerusalem temple and the exile of the Israelites to Babylon. So William Holiday in his commentary on Jeremiah and the Hermeneus series has this very interesting quote about this passage. He says, quote, the future king will embody the faith of the whole people in the realization of righteousness that has its source only in Yahweh. So that is why the Davidic king can be called this particular title, Yahweh is our righteousness, not as a way of identifying this human king as Yahweh, that would actually make two Yahwehs because Yahweh is saying that someone else is going to bear this title Yahweh. The human king does bear the title Yahweh, and that is significant. That is important. It's a very high and exalted thing to be said about this particular king. But this king is a human being. He's the son of David. And this indicates that God is able to exalt and to share his privileges and his prerogatives and even his own name with an extremely qualified human being. And who is that qualified human being? It's the Messiah. It's the Son of God. It's the King of Israel. And Christians know this person as the man, Jesus Christ, who is highly authorized, highly qualified, but he's a bona fide member of the human race, and he is distinct from the God of Israel. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Join us next week as we explore in detail various messianic prophecies within the Hebrew Bible in order that we might assess their strengths, look into their message, and see what they reveal about the person of the anointed king that we now know as Jesus Christ. Please look forward to our next episode. So if you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. 
If you like our show and you share in our mission, please consider subscribing for free. We're on iTunes and YouTube. Consider giving us an honest review on iTunes and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. If you'd like to offer a donation of any amount and get in on this limited time offer to have access to these graduate course lectures on the Gospel of John, you can check out the episode's description for a PayPal link. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.